This is the Off the Break Podcast, your podcast dedicated to current movie theater news, operations, and insights from the people that book the movies. Now, here are your hosts, Cody, Kyle, and Ken. All right, kicking off another all-new episode of Off the Break Podcast, getting ready for the first weekend of February. We're out of January. We are out of the doldrums of January and into love is in the air, February season. I wouldn't say love is in the air, but wide releases are in the air? Wide releases are coming, <laughs> finally. Some some better looking ones compared to uh, the ups and downs of January, that's for sure. Um, four and four weeks. Yeah. Or four and two weeks. Four and Excuse two weeks. Excuse me, yeah. Four and two weeks. We've got Argyle this weekend, Lisa Frankenstein on the 9th, and then Madam Webb and One Love Bob Marley on Valentine's Day. Right. So four and 14 days. It's looking good. I mean, there are some other releases in the month, but... They're pretty select. Mm. And none of these are huge, but we're expecting, you know, $20 million opening, around 20 for the other ones, and then hopefully larger for Madam Web and yeah. Bob Marley. Mm-hmm. You know, 20 would be nice for what we're seeing from the Argyle. It would be nice, but so I, far I have a feeling the Argyle is going to be less than 15. I I'm genuinely excited for what I think Lisa Frankenstein can do. I know. I think that's going to be a surprise because that one looks fun. Yeah. I'm hoping that as well. Um, We've seen the tracking on our end for a little bit. I was hoping to see Lisa Frankenstein starting to have an uptick more. Right. Um, Or just be higher. It's, I mean, it's focused though. And you, they don't have huge ad spends that they do for these. And holdovers was a, a small opening, but I think this will be focus's biggest opening in a long time. Yeah, I'm hopeful. Has the potential for yeah. sure. Yeah, not that I think they can't pull it off, but I just, I could have seen this like being Universal's. You know, I know that Focus yeah. is a part of Universal. If Universal was able to like release Renfield, which is a fine movie, like it's yeah. entertaining, but I think they would have been able to do really well with marketing for right. Lisa Frankenstein here. But I think it's more, I think this and Driveaway Dolls on a comedy side looks funny. Like I yeah. think it's there. Um, but I think that Lisa Frankenstein is more accessible to bigger audiences. Yeah. Um, so I, I do in less niche, like driveaway dolls. Mm-hmm. I think they both look great though. I'm kind of excited for both of them. Yeah. Um, we keep just pounding the table in comedies to begin with. And these aren't necessarily like straightforward R rated comedies that we are typically used to, but these are more in the PG 13 realm, I suppose. And they just do something a little bit different in terms of like a road trip story in Driveaway Dolls or with Lisa Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein, the story, but right. with that rom-com twist to it. But they're with that made boy, for that. A girl younger. falls in love with boy. But a yeah. younger, yeah. much younger demographic of these. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have your lead is not. I mean, when you think of comedies, which we haven't had many, your lead is not Will Ferrell. It's not. Right. Bradley Cooper and Zach Galifianakis. It's mm-hmm. not people in their 40s. late 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. It's it's young people, which is a good thing. I yeah. mean, we saw the push with um, anyone but you and how well it's done after the you know anemic opening. Mm-hmm. Right. It and found then, its audience. It just took a little while. Yeah. I think that is audiences discovering comedy, maybe, or just lightheartedness films more in the theater. Yeah, especially for the younger demographic who's had to grow up in a difficult time with the pandemic and all that. I think they're really looking forward to lighthearted events such as... They're just not used to those comedies because they haven't been 
they haven't been being made mm-hmm. and the one and they've been really pushed to you know not just streaming services but, but hidden within them yeah yeah that was what was supplying the early beginnings of streaming services so it's been even before the pandemic that we've had some really good like comedy was kind of going down mm-hmm. hill and i now i think there's a resurgence of it yeah not def- slapstick but clever authentic comedy yeah yeah it's not the comedy that we saw of like 90s and 2000s that we grew up with but yeah. even still we saw that comedies were releasing i don't know every other week or something along those lines every couple of weeks whereas this feels like comedy what is comedy movie when comedy is the the first part of it it's it's Mm -hmm. like oh it's a romantic comedy but this i mean this looks these both look like straight up comedies yeah yeah, with a romantic element Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is great Uh, speaking of things that don't look great i'm talking to you amazon mgm yes what happened are they on our are they on our poo poo list or crap they're list. on Mon- on cody's shit list my <laughs> shit list it's come back it's come back i'm i'm mad and netflix will be on there too and i'll explain why later <sighs> uh, i don't know somebody if may be coming off ever came <laughs> ever somebody may off. be coming off this list <laughs> yeah. Ooh, intriguing oh <laughs> uh, well mgm amazon announced that their remake of roadhouse is going specifically to streaming Mm -hmm. which was a surprise to us um in the office and was also a surprise to uh doug lyman the director yeah Yeah. (laughs) which is which is always interesting when you have these things where you see directors that are usually just happy to be involved Mm -hmm. it's usually younger people they don't pick out established directors i mean doug lyman has made more than a billion dollars at the box office the last 20 years Mm -hmm. and usually see this as like oh it's going to streaming but we're going to support it and Doug Lyman said, absolutely not. Yeah. I've, right. I'm done with this movie. Mm. Right. No, basically, you know, Amazon came out and said, we want to have like 12 films a year theatrical. We're going to be a big supporter and we're coming out as a studio that they bought MGM. And there was a lot of fear when they bought MGM that they were just buying it to put it on their streaming service. And they're like, no, we're going to create and support films. And, and we've had solid support from them the, up to this yes. point. We had... Creed three, air, um, boys in the boat, covenant, and then boys in the boat. We had four major theatrical releases, beekeeper, and beekeeper. Now, yeah, so we've had five major releases that have all done well in theaters. I feel like, given their print plans and their and their policies and how far they went with they, their films performed very well for being what we consider a smaller, newer distributor. Oh, okay. So we've been so to have an established director go out thinking that it was going to be a theatrical film, uh, cast it the way he was going to have it be theatrical. Um, and, and then being told, no, this after it's all done, no, by the way, this is going straight to streaming. I I can see where it feels like a betrayal. Yeah. Especially since I imagine what happened with Lyman was that MGM originally told him this remake would have been a theatrical release, but since, Amazon bought the company. They went back on that initial contract, probably. Or, or who knows what happened with the strikes? That mm-hmm. maybe they they just needed a quick payoff or needed to do some funny accounting and Wh- whatever shift it is, the cost somewhere. Yeah. In his mind, this guy who's made 
a dozen great movies mm-hmm. right. and is about to start shooting Tom Cruise in space. Yeah. <laughs> Literally in space <laughs> is is telling MGM and telling the premiere that's going to be at South by Southwest, do it on your own. Yeah, I'm not supporting this. I have no this. interest in this. I'm, I'm not going to do any more interviews about it. I'm not going to talk about it. This is You guys are on your own. Like, and I just think it sends a chilling message to any other director who or creative who comes in thinking that they're going to create a film for one uh, style of distribution. For a big screen audience. Yeah, that's for that's big why screen. most of these people make content, right. especially on his level. <laughs> uh, yeah, he didn't need he and he said he in the in, it was a Hollywood Reporter article and he said I have made streaming only movies, but I make them different. Mm. I would this was not made to be a streaming only movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think we have seen filmmaker or people in the industry in the past um, talk negatively about having their uh, stuff made go to streaming. We've seen some of the bigger stars like a Tom Cruise really be vocal about um, about the negativities that come with streaming and theatrical experience being important. I mean, same goes for like Nolan or Denis Villeneuve, for example, as filmmakers. But we don't hear of them uh, just completely saying no to doing the interview circus to doing the promotional yeah. aspects of it so i think that it's a in a way it almost could be seen as like a step a step above what some of these other filmmakers or actors have been doing when it talks badly about streaming like he's taking the initiative and saying like this is not what we agreed on so i won't agree on the other aspects of the job that i was initially promised and it's coming at a time where so many of the streaming services and including Wall Street, their investors, have realized that you get so much more value by showcasing these films in movie theaters, legitimizing this value, and mm-hmm. then putting it on the streaming service. And then you consistently see the benefit mm-hmm. while all of these streaming company, companies are losing money hand over fist right. every quarter and you're not seeing any benefit of the actual streaming content purchases that they make. Right. But this this they know that of the films that of the movies on the services, the ones that get viewed the most, the ones that you want to now sell ads on ad supported tiers on the most they are the ones that have played in movie theaters. Mm-hmm. It's just like, how are we relearning the whole broadcast commercialization of TV? Is Basically, streaming is just new version TV. So whether it's movies or shows, you get more value by looking back at what had grown into the industry before streaming came along. And we're just seeing that is being remade now. It's so silly and it is silly on top of that because it's not like we're seeing this new wave of young executives who are like trying to reshape the model of this industry it's the same past generations of executives that are still holding on to these roles that are suddenly having to relearn this because they thought that they saw a um change in the system which there really hasn't been one i do think it's maybe not it's not old or executives as much as it's younger investors. You, so you do think it's like I do younger, think it's young, a, oh, it's a just, younger it's Wall Street investor that's young going. Young Wall Street, old Hollywood. Yeah, that signaled okay. that they wanted a direction towards tech and direct to consumer. Gotcha. They're like, 
you know, t- like I think there was. We're going to place at theaters, and right. there's an immediate fifty percent knock on what we make. Right. There's a well. There's a I think a persuasive idea that theaters are just middlemen sucking right. out profits. Right. You know that why are we sharing with <laughs> anybody else? And that has just. That's been there from like, I wish Yeah, (laughs) that's been there from old executives mm -hmm. and new guys. And with this tech idea, like we're going to go in and create something. Technology will shake up an industry Mm -hmm. like that has in so many other aspects of our life. And absolutely zero people will sign up for Amazon prime because roadhouse is on there. Exactly. Zero people that have Amazon prime may or may not watch it, but you're not getting new subscriptions for it. I don't want to see Jake Gyllenhaal in Roadhouse uh, on my TV. I wanted to. I would want to go to the theater maybe and see it there, but I don't even want to watch the old Roadhouse, which Ken has been making begging me to watch. <laughs> you and you think I'm going to somehow be invested in the new one? <laughs> like no, I, no, thank you. After I saw the promos you and take they take me put, out on a date, maybe they put Jake Gyllenhaal in. Um, they filmed it at a UFC event. So it was a live mm-hmm. UFC event. They brought him in and shot his scenes. I forgot about that. Yeah. At yeah. the event, which was, so it's a live audience. Right. They're all in on it. They know they have to go crazy. Like I wanted to see that perspective on mm-hmm. the big screen. Reminds me of the Bradley Cooper, A Star is Born movie where they went to, I forget which concert it was or what event it was, but they had like a live event for, that was already like a predetermined thing. Right. And they just went onto that stage and they were like, hey, just give us a few minutes. Act like you're excited. Lady Gaga is going to perform a song for this movie. <laughs> this yeah. is great because they it adds such a perspective to it. I mean, you can tell when it's a CGI stadium full yeah. of people. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> I go back, and it's not that old, but Creed Three, when they ended up, like for the last three rounds, they blocked out the audience and mm. just showed the two of them. And I'm like, come on, guys. Like, this is the thing that Rocky always got right. Yeah, because they always filmed it in close, and they had like the first twelve rows filled mm-hmm. of people, and it's like that's what this was about was making it look like an actual boxing match. It wasn't right. It the wasn't people, theater. The people are a part of like those types of boxing events or MMA events. Same with like, you know, making a, a movie that involves music, and you have to have like the concert yeah. aspects of it. Right. Or baseball games or football games where you can see like it's a sea of yeah. animated humanity. Even if there's like CGI in the background of it, you still see like a few rows Every, to where there's actual humans. Everybody cheering. moves when they do the wave, and I'm like, no, that's not how this works at it's all. It's not that coordinated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, gotta, no. I gotta finish this beer first. It's not that. I'm not standing up. <laughs> I had three plates of nachos. I'm not standing up right now. You couldn't pay me to stand up. Well, no. um, we were talking that. There might be someone who is coming out of Cody's um, shit list, and that is Jordan Peele. Yeah, I think I, I, I think, think we we can pull him off that list now. I think Cody. you can. Yeah, he. Um, I think he has seen the light. Yeah, come to come around to our side, and is I think a big proponent of theatrical now. Yeah. Um, so for context on this, a week ago, uh, the trailer from Universal was released for a movie called Monkey Man which I don't know if anyone, uh, have you guys been able to see this yes, trailer Yes, the yet? trailer is so good. I'm so excited. Yeah, um, like, uh, um, I don't want to say like exactly like John Wick, but it has like that same type of tone with John Wick, but it feels like very original for an action yeah, movie Yeah, it feels as like well. a, a 
John Wick without so much assassin power. Like he's not right. an assassin, but there is that gritty. He's not. He's um, not great at it. Which I gr- which I love that. that True. Made it John so Wick was fun. good at it. <laughs> yeah. He was even if he got best. beat up a lot. He was right. the best. Yeah. This guy's not good at it. Trying his hardest, but it but, still looks cool. It, but he's not bad. Yeah. Like he has some talent. I, anyways, in the fighting, it looks great. I'll watch yeah. anything with Dev Patel on screen. I think he's I could, true. Who stars in it? Yeah, and he directed it. Yes, that's right. Thank he you. directed it. He stars in it. It's him in an action fighter role, which you just he doesn't would, do. He would, yeah, he's never really done before, but it's yeah. so believable. But yeah, he's, sure. he's super magnetic. Like I'll yeah. watch anything he's in just because it's like, okay, this guy's serious about what he's doing right now. For sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Um So anyway, to continue on with. Adding context, as we mentioned, Dev Patel is the director of this. So Jordan Peele is not the director, but he was a producer on this movie. And yeah. initially, uh, after this trailer, or excuse me, initially, um, the story is that this was supposed to be a Netflix movie, which means direct-to-streaming would not have been a theatrical release, obviously. But when Jordan Peele was able to see like the final cut of the movie, he advocated for it to be a theatrical release. So somehow strings were pulled where Universal was able to get the theatrical rights for this project so now that's why it's going to be coming out in april of this year yeah and we so desperately needed product in april so not only am i excited that he is supportive of the theatrical experience he put it in a month that we desperately desperately needed product so yeah or at the very least universal saw the light and was like oh here's a good spot yeah oh my gosh the the timing of it could not be better i mean april on the release schedule had no real major wide releases from any of the mm-hmm. studios and then that weren't you know kind of more limited things and then universal stepped up with monkey man and then lionsgate stepped up with ungentlemanly warfare whatever the oh Bureau. the guy Ritchie movie too yeah, yeah. yeah. but and, we have much more in april we knew it was going to fill in right but to start it off with something that looks like a a solid action film is a great start from a from a major studio is is just awesome so Mm -hmm. that was the the good news of of our last week so it's been what two three years in the making after we were disappointed with jordan peele and his handling of (sighs) nope's theatrical release but well welcome out of the light um jordan peele i not on the list crossed it off my list he's a moment for us here Feels good. And he, he, he dapped me up at CinemaCon. He's been off my list. That's, that's fair. You got, the, <laughs> yeah. you got better cred than Cody does. Yeah. <laughs> but but immediately as I remove him, one more goes on the list. And that place is now taken by Netflix at the top they of my list. Originally. They have been off and on I'm the shocked. list. Only be and they're only come off because I could care less about them. <laughs> and then they do something stupid, like invite a whole press thing and have all the media press there to say that they don't aren't looking to add theatrical yeah. as part of their business model so they had the, they invited the media because i guess someone at the top of their position stepped down and they have a new person in place so pretty much they just were saying hey this is our new person but it's still the same model same time same right channel <laughs> well they're like these dun, are the dun. these are the great things we have upcoming and we're pushing some stuff to 2025 and it's like okay okay whatever and then they're and then somebody asked him about well are your movies finally going to be in theatrical and every other streaming platform has realized that theatrical legitimizes their product and netflix is sitting here being like we're the number one streamer we don't need movie theaters and i'm like 
in my mind reading the statement and I'm like, yeah, because your movies are garbage. They are garbage movies that people are just doing because you're throwing money at them. They're not good. They, there's no, you know, nobody talks about them afterwards. No, they're, don't enter the zeitgeist at all. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares about your movies. I, mean, I so Maestro's, I don't care that they're not in theaters. Maestro's nominated multiple times and no one has seen it. Yeah. I haven't talked to anyone in theaters. Yeah. I, I mean, like, even on streaming, I haven't talked to anybody who's right, had right. any, there's no zeitgeist interest yeah. in it. No, not at all. And, and I'm like, if you didn't like movie theater so much, then why do you keep trying to legitimize, you know, your films with the Oscars? Certain movies. Right, or why do, you, like, why do you make yeah. movies? Yeah. Make Maestro is a three-part miniseries. Right. Just make your <laughs> miniseries, get mm-hmm. your people, but don't call them movies anymore because they're not. They're all there are is glorified binging things. Well, I don't even know what to call them. Well, Kyle saw. Just garbage. Stuff. Flaming Ky- garbage. Kyle saw an actual movie this week. That we're excited about. On a big Actually screen. came out in movie theaters. So there, yeah. you saw a real movie. How was it? What was it? Um, it's It was called American Fiction. <laughs> and I think we need to pat ourselves on the back because I think we nailed um, what to anticipate out of this movie and mm-hmm. how it could be very playable for um, post-Oscar nomination announcements. Because if you've seen the trailer, it evokes exactly what the movie winds up being. It winds up being... A story about this struggling writer who is going through his own personal turmoils, but also family-related uh, issues that are going on in his life. And on that level, it feels very, um, it feels very real in terms of like family dynamics and in terms of like um, trying to find your place in your career and among your work peers. And I think it's just is done very delicately, but also. Um, isn't flashy either it just feels very real and a real world sort of tone but on top of that it also does play with like the tropes that are faced when it comes to like black literature or even um black people within media and i think it does it in a playful way to where it doesn't feel alienating towards other demographics of people like you 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 can be able to laugh along with like the humor that gets thrown at like white people when it comes to interpreting uh, black literature but at the same time it, it, it doesn't it, it just does a very good job at like playing that type of sense of humor and playing along with those tropes to like a wider audience like it doesn't feel like it's narrowing in and trying to wag the finger at other people it does it in a really great balance to where everyone can just kind of shrug their shoulders to be able to laugh along with it but the the, the point of what it's trying to say still um, impacts in a great way Yeah, I, I got the feeling that it wasn't woke value signaling right it wasn't like beating its own drum here it was Mm. more of like observing a dynamic that's happening but making it making light of it and making it like funny and it's the story of you know when you change yourself and people like you do you is you know how do you deal with your authentic self in that in Mm. that time yeah i think you guys kind of nailed the head uh nailed it on the head of the nail what am i trying to say you guys did a good job nailed nailed it. it you nailed it Good work, yes. everyone. <laughs> Two in the hand is one in the shoe. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I think you guys um, did do a great job when it comes to like the strategy when it comes to booking this movie because it is warranted of some of the Academy Awards. Certainly, um, mm-hmm. Kate Brown, who got nominated for Best Supporting Actor, is terrific in that. The lead role is by Jeffrey Wright, who does a great job of what I was saying of showing a real person struggling with like 
uh, their own moral compass, but also just um, the ebbs and flows of their struggling career. And yeah, just a lot of the elements of what makes movies feel real and what uh, we can learn from different experiences within those stories being told are just done on the big screen. And so we, I really liked it. And we opened locations on January 19th and the grosses were pretty underwhelming. Yeah. And then after the nominations, the weekend of the 26th, the grosses went up almost everywhere. It did. It There was some interest in it, which and is like the first time in a long time that an Oscar nomination actually garnered interest in going and right. seeing the yeah. film. Yeah. Right. And we, we've seen, you know, pretty much flat grosses with the, the other ones, poor things, holdovers yeah. that are still there. This one got attention because it wasn't everywhere. And we were worried that it was going to go away if it didn't get a boatload of nominations like it did. Right. I mean, if it got one or two, it wouldn't have been anything of interest to people, I don't think. No. But, but this fact, one got five. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I know that Barbie and Oppenheimer got a lot of nominations and that there was a lot of bring back to you know support them in the in the for the weekend after the nominations but they just didn't do the business that mm-hmm. even for, poor things yeah. and and american fiction did but for so. movies that have made 800 million dollars if they come back and have an eight million dollar weekend right that's that's one percent yeah i mean american fiction is going to do 95 percent of its business after the nominations which yeah. is what we're looking for mm-hmm. which is what we need to carry us through you know, a, a soft month, a good February, but a soft month. Right. So it's exciting. It's I'm glad it's a it's a good film, which helps. I mean, nominations say it's a good film, but that doesn't mean it's accessible to everybody. Right. So Definitely. that's a good thing. Yeah. I um, think I do think that's an issue with poor things. Is that oh, definitely <laughs> it is not accessible commercial to everybody, and while it is an extraordinary film, it definitely. Mm-hmm is still niche in its audience. Yeah. And so it was nice to support it, um, to give everybody an, at least an opportunity to say it's in movie theaters. This is a real movie. So when you watch the Oscars, this played. Um, and But I like doing that for American fiction, which is accessible. And, you know, you and do feel like you are seeing a quality film. I'll remember it more than Maestro. <laughs> I can guarantee you that here on the podcast. <laughs> That's my stamp of approval. Maestro's not very good. (laughs) There's my review. Don't be voting for it. That's his review. Yeah. Not good. Well, it's a Netflix thing. So you know that it wasn't good. Because if it was really good, it would go to a distributor and be in movie theaters. Yeah. I know how the rule works. (laughs) Yeah. Well, short one this week. We'll get into next week. There's a bunch of news on artificial intelligence that oh we got to get into, which yeah. is this will be a good. That'll be a we good. We got to wrap our episode, head around episode it. Episode unto itself. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh! And yes. then um, hopefully we have some good Thursday shows on Lisa Frankenstein. Some updated excitement around Madam Web and One Love. Oh yeah, true. That's those are February releases for what is wait? Or is it one week out or two weeks out? Those are Valentine's Day. Valentine's so four or. 13 days from today. Yeah. 13 days from today. Oh, okay. So it's not quite time yet. But do you guys just want to mention, like, those movies are going to be a Wednesday release. So they just are. make sure everything's prepped and in place before uh, you get surprised <laughs> when it comes around the corner and mm-hmm. it's a Wednesday release. Those always trip up exhibitors. And, and it's tough, especially when it coincides with a holiday as well, because mm-hmm. then there's, you know... Changing of schedules. Not not just that, but there's promotions. There's Valentine's Day promotions. I'm mm-hmm. sure that a lot of exhibitors are doing couples um, 
promotions and things like that to try to get date night front and center on that day. And then you're opening two new films. It's, it's a challenge, but I think it's going to be over the five days, a really strong weekend. Yeah. We're hoping to see solid numbers and more success out of these biopic biopic films. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Right now, um, all the industry experts are saying that it's going to be Bob Marley over Madam Webb that's going to be open number one. So okay. keep that in mind when you're doing your show times. But Bob Marley smokes Spider-Man. I can see it. <laughs> Spider-Woman. <in> <laughs> Spider-Woman. I can see it in the variety headline. Yeah. <laughs> smokes. Uh, anything else will be so disappointing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Leaves them in the dust. No, it's not the same. No. 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 All right, Variety, I'll expect my check in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that note, have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to Off the Break Podcast. Find us on all podcast platforms and be sure to like and follow our Facebook and Instagram pages at Off the Break Podcast. 